This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Aloha, everybody. Thank you so much for watching the Wall Street Coach Podcast. I hope you'll subscribe. I hope you'll like any of these episodes that you enjoy. And I want to encourage you to please sign up for The Curtain Call, which is my weekly newsletter where we have thousands of subscribers already. I would love for you to sign up. And how to do that is in the liner notes below this video. Please enjoy this episode of the Wall Street Coach Podcast. It's a good one. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. My name is Kim Ann Curtin, and I'm very excited to have Sam Pryor here on my podcast today. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Hey, Kim. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Sam and I have got to know each other over these past three months and really past year. We met in Investors Underground. We actually met at Traders for a Cause in Traders person. Cause, yeah. But we had met online for Investors Underground. I think one of the first webinars I did with you guys over a year and a half ago, probably. And Sam has a very interesting background. We've gotten to know each other doing his weekly, well, it's been monthly, but you do a weekly experience for traders. Talk about that. So those listening can, you know, perhaps join in if they want to. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I host what we naturally started to become the called the midweek study session, which I was after names and you don't like how naturally sometimes a name just comes up. Anyway, midweek study session came up and then, yeah, every Wednesday at the market close, I host for Investors Underground. Sort of a trade review session. We get special guests. We get obviously the likes of yourself. Recently, we've had Lance, we've had Nate on. And it's just really to, I think one of the important things about being a trader, particularly perhaps when you're newer to a community, is to actually meet and experience that community. And that's exactly like what we do at IU. We've all got to know each other really well through the lounge, to make these study sessions, it's opportunity to talk about any subjects, ask any questions, present trades. All sorts, really. It's just for anyone to treat it however they like. And it's yeah. just great. I really enjoy it. Yeah. You can tell that you do. The enthusiasm you show in that room is palpable. And it's also, I feel like you really create a space of, you know, holding everything like loosely. Like you, you want people to keep their sense of humor. You advocate them not being too hard on themselves. You encourage them. You push them, but you do it in such a kind of comfortable sort. Of, you make everybody feel comfortable with you. That's my experience of you. And it just encourages people I see to get more vulnerable and honest with themselves about where they're being stopped as traders. No, oh, thank you. No, that's, that's very kind. You're always too kind to me. But yeah, hopefully, like that's that's the idea. Like, I just want to really open space and you know like i take a lot of inspiration from nate like nate on his sunday scan he's really open he'll talk about how his week's gone or how you know his week whether it's good bad he'll talk about that really openly and i think that's just really good because like and one of the things i always say to people is like they are too harsh on themselves 
And that's because like I see a chart and it, it's, it's literally like if they haven't bottom ticked it, top ticked it, whichever way around it is, they're unhappy that it's not perfect. And I'm like, yeah, perfect isn't like, it's all of a sudden we turn into like perfect being like the only thing that's acceptable and actually, you know, being 80% correct is pretty good. And if you can get like 90% execution scores or however you score yourself, that's, that's a great trade. Like don't, don't be too harsh to yourself because you missed out on a few cents and um, I think it's just great to have that open conversation. And all the time people are like, Hey, like that, this trade, it was, it, it sucked. And I'm like, yeah, it, it did. Like it's one of those, like, totally. you know, don't, it sucked. don't ever think about Don't ever think it like there's, there's going to be trades like that. That's take it in stride. Take it in stride. Exactly. That's really part of your vibe is, you know, and of course, you know, you're a semi-pro athlete. So I'm sure you have a lot of practice at having to take things in stride. So, so let's just talk a little bit about your bio. One of the things you may or may not know about Sam is that he is a, a semi-pro rugby player. And also you came from orthopedic account management to begin yeah. with. And at some point you turned into a day trader because you realized life was too short to be working at something that you did not like. So yeah. I'd love to hear just a little bit about the journey of leaving that career and what uh, precipitated that kind of aha moment that life is too short. Yeah, so I've been doing it for quite a while, for probably for the best part, not quite a decade, but not far off, pretty much straight since I left university. And to be honest, it, there, I absolutely, there were some aspects of the job that I just loved. Like I used to go to theater with surgeons who were doing like a hip replacement, a knee replacement, and I'd be the person that they'd lean on for some advice. I'd be able to describe how, basically I was the expert on the instruments that they were using. So they might be doing something quite complex and they might only do 20, 30, 40 times a year, but I would know exactly what implants they'd got, the instruments they got, what limitations they've got with that implant, et cetera. And, you know, I loved it. Like, you know, obviously working with that group of people, theater staff, it, it, it was amazing, but there was a point where I just couldn't picture myself doing it for another, you know, 10 years or, you know, I certainly couldn't picture myself being a 40 year old salesman. And, um, I sort of got into sales because I was like good at it and perhaps it wasn't necessarily my love, I suppose, or it's sort of a passion of mine. And then in, in 2019, I just got, I got, um, I got ill. So I got something called, well, I do as well. I do still have it, but it's called pheochromocytoma, and it's a tumor on your adrenal gland. So basically, my body was producing too much adrenaline, uh, which sounds like a good thing. Like you, like the some of the charities that I've seen, they joke about it. Like you think of it as like the Hulk ripping his t-shirt off, goes green, he's really strong, and it, like life's amazing. But it, 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 that's quite far from the truth, actually, and it severely impacted my sleep. And basically I was ill for a long time without knowing it. And I kind of, at the time I just thought it while I was just getting a bit older, like I was working through my twenties and I thought this was just how aging was. And then in the summer of, the summer of 2019, all of a sudden I had severe, severe headaches. And I mean, like they were uh, unbearable, like sometimes being as high as like to a out of 10 pain. And even at like their lowest point, it would be like four or five. And I was just for two weeks, I was 
just in absolute agony, trying all sorts of medication and just nothing was working. And then eventually the tumor perforated and sort of bled everywhere, which led to even more adrenaline being circulated around my body. And then I went into hypertensive crisis, which is basically when your blood pressure is too high and your heart rate's too high. So my blood pressure was, I remember seeing the highest I saw it was like 270 or something. It was 270 over one, I can't remember, 130 or something. So it was something crazy. And then, yeah, so I was in intensive care for a couple of weeks. And yeah, then from that point on, it was a really gradual, slow process of just, I used to just wake up, I woke up every day and it, for a while, I was just so ill and so unwell that the only thing I looked forward to was going to bed, even at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock in the morning, because I just knew that the next day I'd be that 1% better. And that was sort of my life for about four months. And then slowly I was able to look forward to more and more things. But sort of the, the crux of the story though, is that I just realized like when you go through moments like that, and I think that a lot of people, unfortunately have been through those moments, you sort of all those cliches of YOLO or whatever it is, like it's true, like you do only have one life and it's completely down to, you know, us how to live it. And the trajectory of my life, I wasn't particularly happy with. I didn't, you know, the channel I was going down, it wasn't, it wasn't key to pursue. So yeah, it took something drastic. And then from that point on, I, well, I just wrote out, I actually wrote my resignation out, printed it out and I forward dated it. And then I said to myself, I'm going to resign at this point. And then, yeah. I drove, I crossed it out a couple of times, but eventually I was like, oh, I'm not being true to myself. And then eventually I just went for it. But at the same time, I'd already started trading. I'd already started that path that, well, I suppose my current path and they sort of just overlapped. And then obviously I took one and yeah, I suppose the rest is history. What an incredible miracle it sounds to me like that you even lived. I mean, to be in intensive care and to have your body experience that kind of, you know, intense physical experience, I'm shocked you survived. It's really quite. Yeah, no, I, well, I think it was, I think it was touch, like I was on life support and, I, you know, I was in a coma and, you know, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was miserable. Like it, the, the hospitals are, unfortunately, they're, they're just, they're not pleasant places. No, yeah, or not. I'm just curious, how long have you traded for now? So it was a real, it was the runners who I'm coming up to, I guess, four years. Okay. So still relatively, yeah, I'm still new on this journey and I still got tons to learn, but yeah. things are going well. I'm just I'm pleased to still be here. Yes. Hell yeah. I'm pleased you're still here too, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. And and I just am curious, do you feel, you know, one of the things we talked about before this conversation was you said, you know, I wish more people could realize how important it is to do what you love without as much pain as I went through to realize that. Yeah, yeah. What do you feel if you were taught, you know, just imagine the traders that are listening to this now, what do you think? An average person who perhaps does not face, at least initially, that kind of a crossroads as you did, what what do you think stops them from really pivoting their life to focus on what they love? 
So I, I think the, the biggest issue in life, in my opinion, which really hinders progression is comfort. Cause there are a lot of people that are very, a lot of people are comfortable, like earning X amount in perhaps a job they thinks okay. They don't hate it. They don't love it. And I think that sort of is the mundane life that sort of sucks us in a little bit. And then before we know it, 10 years are gone and you're like, shit, where did my, where's my life gone? I'm I'm stuck in a career that I haven't enjoyed for 10 years. All of a sudden, perhaps, you know, as we get older, perhaps, I don't, I don't think those doors actually, I don't think there's anything limiting in life or limiting about age. Like I still think there's ample opportunity out there, but I think as soon as you're in, in your comfort, like you just don't grow in your comfort zone. That's, that's the harsh reality of life. And it, we, and we, a lot of us, you know, including myself, we, we spend too much time now. Yeah. Yep. That's a great, great word to speak to. And speaking of comfort, let's talk about the semi pro rugby player that you are because <laughs> God, if there's a sport where I imagine you don't get a lot of comfort, it would be there's no comfort. <laughs> no, there's no comfort. And there's certainly no comfort the day after. Either. <laughs> I, bet <laughs> not. I bet you just lived in the ice bath for like two or three days. It's just a so, living pain. <laughs> what, what brought you into rugby? And what do you see about rugby that helped you perhaps? How long have you played uh, semi-pro for? So I, so I started playing at university, which is quite late to start a sport, but I um, played football as in soccer my whole life and basketball. And I went, to, I went to uni and then didn't get in the football team. Had a knee injury, actually. Had a knee injury and found the gym. So I started like bulking up a little bit, putting on weight, and then... Yeah, I was too big for football, and then I didn't enjoy basketball. The higher up I went with basketball, I, I enjoyed it less and less. And then somehow I just started playing rugby, and um, yeah, then as soon as I left university, I'd been semi-professional ever since. And yeah, I played, you know, and I, I played some, <laughs> some really, really good rugby over the years, and uh, I pitched myself, actually, at, at some of the things. You pitched yourself? I pinch myself just at some of the opportunities oh, that I've had. Pinch. Like I played, like I played one, I was loaned out to a professional team, which was just, you know, playing in, in front of 12,000 people, which is, which is big at rugby in the UK. Like it was just the most, you know, the best day of my life by, by far and might take some topping. What was that like for you to just be in front of that many people? <laughs> well, to be honest, I felt like I won a competition or something. It was, yeah. <laughs> you did. <laughs> they wouldn't have picked you if you didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, it's so hard to describe because it was just so good. Yeah, it was just like a, just one of those moments I just tried to enjoy as much as I could. Like, I was so focused on the game as well. And just, to be honest, I was focused on just not making myself look stupid <laughs> i think i was just so pleased that i you know came to there's some really good reports and all the feedback i got afterwards you know amazing and it was it's was, you know it was i'd like to think there's perhaps unfortunate that uh you know if i was a few years younger that that might have been a path that i went down but like for a long time i played rugby because i was good at it and my enjoyment with it was always up and down yeah. in the past like few years i get i probably link back to what you know my illness as well like since then like if there's one thing that you realize life's short but 
you realize your sporting life is even shorter. And if that doesn't give you a kick up the ass to go and enjoy it and make the most of it, I don't know what will. Yeah. I'm curious if you have found that there's lessons from, you know, playing such an intense sport that you take into your training. To be honest, I think like, I think everything, all of it, just sport, sports and world training, I think it just overlaps immensely. And because you, you, you can't be too focused on the outcome. And all you can really focus on is your performance, the process, and actually how are you going to get better moving into the following game? And what are you going to put right when you come together on Tuesday for training, Thursday for training? And I think that's, there's just immense similarities there between just getting better each and every day or session. Yeah. Do you find that those who become traders who have a sports background have a leg up? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised. Like you, probably the people that do well, are just anyone that's used to feedback failure and just somehow like looking to get better or getting one over on someone else, even though it's not like a trading isn't a literal, it doesn't feel like you're getting one over on someone else, but you can't, that's kind of the nature of it. You are in the day taking someone else's money. Yeah. So I think anyone that's, I think the biggest thing for a lot of traders is surviving the first few years. And it's probably the same with like any sport. Like you're not going to like, like I've just took, taken up golf and I'm terrible. And I probably won't be good for, well, I may never be good, but it just feels like exactly the same each time I go to the range and I hit a few balls and each time I go to a course, I just get like that tiny, you know, for me in terms of golf, it's really, really tiny. But I'm just getting that little bit, that little bit better. It's, I'd love the diversity of these two sports. I can't think of two different sports more than golf and rugby. No. So tell us what drew you into golf. Well, I, I don't know, to be honest. Well, my friend sent me pictures of King Kong, not King Kong, Donkey Kong with a golf club. And, I was angry. and that's, that's how I feel at times. And I think, I think the main thing that probably drew me to us was, I know my rugby career, this is probably, it probably hasn't got long left. Like I know I'm coming towards the end of it. And I know that I'm probably going to be more focused on like I trade full time, but I've got to be more focused on trading moving forward. Just because now like the opportunities are just there and it's, it's actually like serious money that I'm potentially leaving behind by not being like, I miss Tuesday afternoon, Thursday afternoon. So I'm only doing ever slightly reduced. I'm only doing like 80% of the week to, for example. And I just kind of figured that like when rugby goes, like a lot of my social life will go as well. So I'm perhaps just thinking about what the next step is and I've just I started getting into it and like constantly I find it really hard to switch off from trading. Like I just think about it all the time. Take me on this time zone, like the market closes at 9 p.m. for me, and then I'll be thinking about it like 1 a.m. my time, which is only like 8 p.m. for Eastern, which for a lot of like perhaps for someone trading on you know an Eastern time zone probably is an issue because they still got time to yeah. unwind for the day. But I just I don't have that luxury. Yeah, and golf. I don't know. It just takes my mind off of it, to be honest. And I just, I've been searching for that, whatever it is that would just take my mind away from training, just so I think about it a little bit less. Because it's yeah. just, yeah, it's so consuming, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not healthy. Yeah. Well, I would agree. 
that it isn't. And honestly, I think when it's all consuming, it potentially could even hinder your trading because I think we need that white noise, that space just to be in the land of, you know, nothingness, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing that we, and that's the great thing. Like, and that's the great thing about like conversations with you, for example. Just when we chat, it just helps me really take my mind away from trading, and I feel better about it. And that's kind of the idea. Like, we need that. Out, we all need that outlet in life. Like, at the end of the day, whether we're in an office with ten other traders or sat by ourselves, we stare at three, two, three, four monitors a day. It's it's probably not healthy, and we need to find some balance uh, away from that for sure. Yeah. And the other thing about golf that's just so powerful is it's going to usually force you outdoors. And you, of course, for our listeners that don't know, you're in England. So tell us what part. I'm in uh, the southwest. I'm in Somerset. So I'm about, I suppose the only, the only place that most people know from the U.S. is London. And I'm about two and a half hours away from London. From London. But am I correct that all of your golf even when you're practicing shots, is going to be outdoors. Oh, it's all, yeah, it's all outdoors, yeah. And if I get a choice, like, they have, like, some semi, they're indoor-outdoor type, like, just, like, river shelves, set like, roof over your head. And if I get any chance, I'm outdoors. Yep. And even, like, on a Friday when the market closes, because uh, it's 9 o'clock my time, I just look, I, I'm outdoors. Sure, it, it could be pitch black, and I'll be sat outside, start a fire, and I just start, like, that unwinding process and just, yeah. Yeah. Just trying to get outside as much as possible because, yeah, I don't like being caged. No, I imagine not. But especially after looking screens all day, I think it's just almost like a physical need to get out into nature, out in any kind of oh, you know, just the weather. What do you want to say? We're going to go over to Twitter space or X space, excuse me, Elon, <laughs> in a few minutes. But for the traders that maybe are contemplating coming to your weekly sessions, what would you say? Uh, it's such a great, powerful community. What would you say to them about the importance of having that community, the importance of what you give them every week? Not so much as a sales pitch, but for them to just have context about how supportive that can be for them and change their trading. Yeah, well, well I'll tell you, I'll start with there's a story that I went to one of these study sessions. That's how it started. I was one of the attendee, and I just remember talking. And then someone was asking me really probing questions about trading. And I, to be honest, I didn't know the answer. I come away and I felt really, this is the, bear with me on this story. I felt pretty bad about the situation, but then half an hour, an hour, a few hours plus, and I was like, oh my God, I think great. I put myself out there and I really moved my needle forward a lot. And I think that's sort of the message that I would say to people is that this is a real opportunity to move your life or your trading needle forward in so many ways because you're going to gain a social aspect. You're going to be talking about trading. You're going to meet people. It's just, I think everything about it is... And like not to be a sales pitch, but I just think it's it's just a really good opportunity to chat trade. Like how many how many people like who you know, particularly us guys as retail traders, we spend most of our time by by ourselves. How many people actually get an opportunity to chat about trading for two hours with people that understand? It's not it's not easy. 
No. And then the relationships that you can form from that are just massive because you can go away, you're meeting people all of a sudden. That's how I met most of my close friends was through, it was through IE and just getting to know people through the lounge, meeting them on these midweek sessions. And um, yeah, I think it's finding that support network, that social side, finding people who are a level above you, helping people a level below you. It's all just immensely beneficial. For sure, for sure. And the other thing too, I just want to speak to, and I have no doubt this is because of you leading this group. You know, we we're doing these monthly sessions of live coaching. And when somebody comes forward to share their challenge, the support that is poured over them from every other trader in that room is yeah, just unprecedented. And that, to me, is just the most enriching thing that you can experience because you suddenly realize. And what do they? What do so many of the traders say? Me too, man. Me too. It's like yeah, all yeah. of a sudden you realize, oh, I thought I was the only one. No, you aren't. I think that's like one of the issues that we all think we're. I'm the only one. Whatever emotion it is, we all think we're the only one experiencing that emotion. Is only when we get to chat to people, you're like. Actually, I'm, I'm not really that unique. My problem isn't really that unique. And actually, by sharing, talking about it, it's a problem half, isn't it? And uh, yeah, yep. I think it's immensely powerful. And yeah, and they're, they're enjoyable. They're such, they're, they're just an hour and a half, like half sessions. They're just so much fun. Like, they're just, they're just enjoyable. They've been getting, I feel more crowded and more people are coming forward to volunteer. Yeah. And people like, pe there's people who are like, oh, I don't, you know, I, I can't, I don't want to volunteer. And the first thing they'll say to me after is, thank you for that little nudge. But they're genuinely like really appreciative. And like, is it just a little nudge? Like, because I know it's, I know it's a safe environment. Like, I don't, I don't bite anyone's hand off. You don't bite anyone's hand off. And like, ultimately, there's nothing. There's nothing incorrect about how we feel. And there's nothing really that incorrect about, there may be something incorrect about how we trade. If we're sharing a trade and there might be something that we did wrong or whatever, but mm -hmm. actually talking about it, your future self is going to be really grateful for that conversation because actually conversing and trying to explain it to someone else is quite difficult. And actually sometimes when you're trying to talk about a trade, for example, you might actually so if you're struggling or you're falling or you're not sure why you entered there or you're not sure why you exited there, actually, that means there's probably a, a little bit of a gap. And talking about it will make you realize that. And then exactly. your future self will be grateful for that. Absolutely. I love that. I'm a big fan of connecting with your future self in coaching with traders. So that is just the best. It's that future self that you're growing into. And even sometimes just talking about it, it helps you understand yourself when you really listen to and it makes you start to see oh wait a minute it, it helps you unpack whatever you're stuck in the midst of that's what Absolutely. it seems to me i'm very fortunate also to have sam in my discord room called tradershareourjourney.com and you've also been a contribution there too sam so thank you for that so thank let you. us pause this guys we're going to do a twitter space so we can get some interactivity because it's always more fun with questions. Uh, so I am going to see everybody on Twitter Space, and we'll have this whole podcast release uh, with both those sessions together. Aloha, everybody. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to speak with Sam Pryor. 
and we're going to speak about his trades turbo handle in a little bit. I'm really thrilled to have you guys come here. I am Kim and Kurt in the Wall Street Coach. My mission is really to help high performers master their minds and unlock their hidden edge. I run a, a weekly newsletter called Curtain Call. I'm just adding Sam now as a speaker. So please join my newsletter if you're curious to have more content like this. Sam, I'm so excited to have you in this X space today. I know his handle is still connecting. We just had an opportunity, Sam and I, to do the first 30 minutes through Zoom video. That plus this conversation will be released in approximately 10 days. Also, I want you guys to keep an eye out for my live coaching that happens on Wednesday on the Wall Street Coach channel on YouTube. That happens usually around 7 p.m. Eastern time, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, Sam. Oh, hello. Hello. Yes, we sure can. Oh, good evening. So, so good to have you here. We're very lucky that Sam is with us because it's uh, 10.30 p.m. his time in England. So uh, a little bit late, but you're a good sport to come on and do it so late. So thank, <laughs> thank you. you. I just was sharing how we just had a great conversation on Zoom. So that will be part one of this two-part interview. These are much more enjoyable guys when you ask questions. So I hope you've all come with some questions for Sam. Sam and I got to meet through Investors Underground. We actually first met a year and a half ago in one of the IU rooms. I did some live coaching, and then we got to meet a Traders for a Cause in Vegas. Sam and I really just hit it off, and we've been doing for the past three months a live coaching for the IU room. Sam has and moderates a room weekly. Why don't you talk a little bit about that for our listeners here in case they don't know that much about it? Yeah, so every Wednesday at the market close, my host, well, it naturally became called the midweek study session for for the obvious reason. And it's just an opportunity for, you know, members of the community to, you know, get together, ask questions, talk about whatever problem they're experiencing, share positive experiences, share their trade reviews, which I think in general that we, as traders on the average trader, probably doesn't do enough of it. I think it's probably the most important thing that, we can do after a really tough day. And I think that's just a great opportunity to share it with someone else. And when you share it with someone else, firstly, you've got to explain the setups, explain the trade, and then they can question and then pick holes. And like we just spoke about on the Zoom, like that experience and that opportunity, your future self will only be really grateful for. I'm just so curious, Sam, for yourself and your own journey as a trader and even as a semi-pro athlete, we, we talked a little bit on that first our first conversation about the fact that you are a semi-pro rugby player and that you really have this concept of the importance of the mental game. So when did you first become aware of that? Was it sports that brought that to your attention? Was it the career you had before? Was it life? Just talk a little bit about that, if you would. Just the mental mindset and how much that impacts you as a trader and even as a semi-pro rugby player. When did you realize the importance of your future self or the importance <laughs> Too of... late. <laughs> Too late, unfortunately. I wish it was much sooner. And I wish I could say that I was 
hardworking. And I'm sure that there's lots of people in this call that have very similar conversations to what my teachers had with my parents, which was, you know, Sam's got lots of potential. He just needs to apply himself. And yeah, it's a really good question because again, and it probably goes back to like, I had like sort of that rough year that I had in 2019 when I was unwell. Like I just came out of that, like a really changed person and just, Ever since then, I, I've just realized that, like, it's really difficult in life to suddenly, like, it's the same as, like, I don't know, losing weight or going to the gym, whatever. You can have all this motivation. You're like, yes, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to be great, whatever. But actually, it's not really about any sort of outlandish commitment. It's just about, I'm just going to go to my next session and then my session after that and then my session after. That's all, like, motivation is. And there's definitely some key moments, like listening to David Goggins, for example, Atomic Habits by James Clear, like that helped me piece like a lot of this together. And then ever since then, like I'm just good at ticking boxes in terms of, I don't particularly enjoy going to the gym at the moment, but I have a program that someone writes for me. And I just think about the next step. I just think about like my first goal is just to walk through the door. And then when I walk through the door, my next step is to warm up. And then it's my first exercise and so forth. And then before I know it, I finish the workout and I'm done. And I think like just, there's a lot of yeah. parallels there. Sorry. No, please. I, I just wanted everybody to have some background. I mean, certainly Sam comes from being an orthopedic account manager and then turns into a day trader when he realized life was too short to not be enjoying work. He did have a near-death experience in 2019. He did almost die. And we do talk about that in part one of this conversation that you guys will learn more about. But let's just talk a little bit about how that illness really did have you start to be present. You talked about resignation letter for your day job that sat there for a while. So just talk a little bit about what got you over the hump to write the letter and then actually send and deliver the letter. <laughs> it's a good question because I... So I, I wrote it out in advance and I even I forward dated it. And I remember I crossed the date out a couple of times to amend it. Like I was due a few bonuses. And I was like, okay, I'll just wait a month. Oh, I'll wait another month. And it's probably the same thing like a lot of us do is that we just get too comfortable and we're like, I'll do it next time. I'll do it next time. And then there's eventually a point where I'm like, no, F it. I'm not going to, I'm doing it now. And I just became a person like, I'm going to do it now. And yeah, it's the, it's just one of the best things and I just truly believe like I'm terrible for career advice now because if, if anyone asks me for career advice and they're like I think I'd quit my job I might do it I don't even think about it like just do it and I just I believe there's an element of fortune favoring the brave and I just think th things will work out and like sometimes you need to get uncomfortable to progress yourself as a person you know it's funny this word comfort in this conversation today just keeps coming up so why don't you just talk about how, if anybody who's listening to us now suspects that it's comfort that keeps them either, you know, not dedicating themselves as much to trading as perhaps they could, or perhaps even as a trader, they're comfortable. What would your advice to them be about that making sure comfort isn't deciding, just making decisions for them? I think that's the first thing is you've got to be really self-aware and realize that you're comfortable, which is not necessarily 
the easiest thing to do. And like like we spoke about before, like it's very easy to a lot of people are in a, a job that is okay, that pays pretty well, they don't enjoy it, they don't hate it, and they will stick to that. And it's a case of actually where do you want your life to go? Because there is a harsh reality that you only live once. And if you're in that comfortable job that you don't enjoy, that you don't love, you don't have any passion for, you're going to be doing it in 10 years' time unless you do something drastic today. So why wouldn't you just, why would you wait until tomorrow and not just, you know, get the F on with it? Because before you know it, 10 years up, and you know, you just talk to your parents, anyone talks to their parents or whatever, they'll be like, and all those cliches of, oh, life just goes too fast, time travels too fast. Yeah, they're cliches because they're bloody true. <laughs> That's the reality of it. And I think it's exactly the same with training. Like, you just got to keep pushing yourself. Like, find out the trainer you want to be. And if you get start getting too comfortable with a size, size up, you know. And, if it, you know, it works in the opposite way as well. Like, if you're really uncomfortable with how much size you've got on, then, yeah, you're probably also doing it wrong. But at the same time, you've got to keep pushing yourself that, that little bit. Yeah, it's like this research edge between the appropriate amount of comfort, but not to the point where you don't get kind of pulled or called out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. And it, you're right. It's such a fine line because yeah. like in life, if you do something that you're too uncomfortable with and you shouldn't be doing, like if I suddenly, I don't know, wanted to rock climb without a harness. Well, okay. I'm, I'm yeah. doing something completely stupid there. That's going to be, you know, I'm going to probably, hit the floor really hard and die, you know? So there's, it's almost like this like sliding scale of how can I be on the, like the edge of my comfort zone continuously? And that's one of my favorite quotes is life begins at the end. I think it's progress begins at the edge of your comfort zone. I yep. just love that. It's a beautiful quote. You know, today is the 22nd anniversary of 9-11. I was, I shared on my X profile this morning about being on a plane that morning and how the night before our flight changed from an 8.20 departure to 8.40 departure. And of course, at this time of year, you know, of course, I try to hold on to the memory of that day that I was one of the lucky ones, so to speak. But I think on the anniversary, it is this like moment for me personally to be like, I have had 22 years that thousands of people didn't get to have. And mm -hmm. I feel that just as like a fire to comfort for me. Like every time I get comfortable, I think, but I could be dead already. And so what's the worst that could happen? Like if the worst is death and that didn't happen, like shouldn't I go for it now? So I'm just curious, Sam, having, you know, experienced that very close call yourself, do you find that this trickles out beyond just like you pivoting your career, but do you see it just with your approach to how you live your life? Oh, absolutely. Like I just, I don't suffer fools anymore. I don't really have time to do anything I don't enjoy. And you know, it's a, it's a, and again, that's a fine line because you need to say yes to things and you need to push yourself at your comfort zone there as well and do perhaps go to events that you wouldn't go to. But at the same time though, no, I quite like my, the simple life and I just like what I enjoy. And, you know, ever since that moment, I've just continually focused on actually how can I, you know, be a bit better than the, the day before. Hopefully I could, you know, continue to do that. 
Sam hosts a moderates an amazing collection of traders in the investors underground room. And in fact, for the past three months, he and I have done monthly a live coaching section. I would love for you to just talk a little bit about what you see the traders who come into that conversation, who go into a hot seat for the coaching that you give them and I give them. What do you, just to help everybody who's listening to us relate, what are some of the common challenges that you have seen in those traders in those conversations? Yeah, that's a good question. I think the most common barrier or challenge that people face, is, traders in particular face, is their expectation. You know, I've had tons of PMs or tons of people on those calls who have perhaps been trading three months, six months, you know, a year, two years, and they're wondering like why the charts don't look like Nate's, for example. And I'm like, well, you're comparing yourself to, you know, a 20 year vet who is extremely good at, at trading. That's, you know, that's not a fair comparison. There are not many like avenues in life that are worth pursuing that you can master within two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, or whatever. So I, I certainly think that expectation, and I think, I don't know, people just beat themselves up a bit too much. And I think then you sort of, they're just too harsh on themselves. And I'm like, just because you lose on a trade doesn't make it a, it, it a bad trade. Just because you made a mistake doesn't make it like terrible. It just means actually that's something that you can get better on in the future, and that's positive. Because imagine you know trading for x amount of years think it that trading perfect and still losing money well it's a, that's a really shitty situation and i like to think that like whatever i do every day there's always something that i can do that i could do better you know like with all my mates and stuff we're always chatting about reviewing our trades and stuff and there's tons of stuff that you know we, we learn on a day-to-day -day basis i think people just need to be a bit easier on themselves give themselves yeah. time and like yeah just be real positive and think about the language that talk to yourselves in people talk to themselves in as well. and like i'm i beat myself up all the time but i'm really aware of it now and i'm like actually let's flick a switch and be really positive because there's always something positive in everything that we do and it might like the positive on a really shitty day might just be that you know i only lost five grand instead of ten grand that might be like <laughs> the positive to take yeah. it's, it still sounds like a shitty one but like a year ago it would have been a really bad day this time, not so bad. I'll take that win, even as a shitty as it sounds. So, Sam, just give us a little texture around how long you've been trading, what kind of style trader you are. So, I basically was like the almost like the equivalent to uh, Robin Hooder in the US. That I just I've always been interested, and I've always sort of had something on the go whether it's just like investing in funds or something like that and then but i sort of shifted to trading uk stocks of around 2019 um, when i was just coming out of my illness and then in 2020 obviously everything went up a level and like with my medical experience i just started buying like testing companies and it just went really well and then from that point on i just caught the bug and then naturally gravitated towards the US side, like I was exposed to, like Tim Sykes was probably the first person that you know, his adverts are like everywhere, YouTube, everything. And he used to talk about how trading is really difficult, you've got to study. And he was one of the first people that kept it like really real to me. And then 
I didn't actually like I didn't sign up for anything related to him, but eventually I found Nate on Twitter, and then Nate started like. I started off like I remember my first month ever like opening a new account, opening a Trade Zero account. It was green. I remember like texting my mum, showing a picture of my P and L I'd made like I don't know, I think it was like a grand in a day. And I was like, Mum, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna make it. And then that just proceeded like to be <laughs> a rare spotlight on what was otherwise a real shitty time. And then from that point on, it was like, oh shit, this is really difficult. It's actually the best thing that happened, but it was really difficult. And anyway, that style that I was doing, just buying breakouts, I, got, I just basically got lucky with it, worked for a while and stopped working. And then I was just basically really tired of, every time I bought something, it just seemed to absolutely dump. And then I saw sort of Nate on Twitter, who was just cleaning up, but he was always on the opposite side. And it just really, and it just, I just found that his style really fit my style in terms of just really cynical, skeptical, like, you know, we know well, a lot of us are really aware of what we're trading. Like, particularly when we focus on small caps, where we aren't, you know, we aren't trading, you know, good companies at all. And I think I just eventually naturally gravitated towards that style, just because it suited my personality. And I'm aware <laughs> that's very negative, and uh, at times I wish I could be more positive about it. But at the same time, I like money more than being than thinking the next comp this X company is going to be the next Tesla. You know, I really love what you just said about the sense of, let's just call it cynicism, right? That perhaps that sense of each of us have certain personality types. You know, I'm a former New Yorker, so I have my own version of cynicism. You know, I've been in Hawaii now for almost nine years, eight years. I don't know. It's been a long time. And I just went back to New York City for the first time. And my biggest fear, Sam, was like, you know, what if I can't hack it anymore? What if I can't cancel it? Am I going to be a sap? Am I going to look like I've got sucker written on my forehead? But my first encounter with like a cat, like a gypsy cat, I was like the tough broad I used to be. I was so proud of myself. And I, and I thought that would not serve, that doesn't serve me here in Hawaii, but it sure as hell serves me in New York. So let's just talk about like, we each have a certain disposition. How important, just that cynicism that you're saying, like you are looking at the, from that sense of your vision as to what you trade, what feels comfortable to you. Do you think traders have to think about that when they're finding their style or to get their flow, that it does have to be in sync with their temperament and or the way they view the world? Yeah, I Absolutely. And I think that's why trading is so great is that we all, we all met, will have similar styles, but at the same time, they'll be really unique. And I always think of like, I am, if you think about me as in terms of my trading as a pie chart, I am 100% Sam, but at the same time, I'm probably, I'm going to be a percentage of all the people that have influenced me. I'm going to be a percentage of Nate, percentage of Eric, percentage of Mike. And but ultimately in the day, it's all 100% me and I'm the one that's you know pressing the buttons and I have to be accountable for that and it's pointless me trying to be a scalper if I suck at it and you know my what resonates to me is sort of a big picture okay this is up far too much and doesn't deserve to be there I'm gonna wait for my entry signal be extremely patient with it and let it work and that's very different to some of my friends who are like in and out within a few minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whereas I'm like, nah, I'm going to trade it for six, 
six hours, seven hours. And I just think it's really, like when I started, I was trying someone else's style. It was like, I got lucky at first, but after a while I was like, it just was unsustainable. Yeah. It's, uh, so let's just talk a little bit about that because I do think it's understandable, natural for a trader, at least in the beginning of their career, to sort of emulate, you know, their teacher or those gurus that they follow. What would you say is the point where you know, I see it as almost like training wheels on a bike. For anybody who's just starting out, it's fabulous, but there's some point we all know you have to let the training wheels off. What would you say is that cutoff where it's time to say, okay, maybe that's how Nate trades, but Sam said to himself, I have to trade my way. I can be influenced, I can be taught by them, encouraged by them, but I have to own it. What trader measuring stick should they use to know when enough is enough and they have to really define it for themselves? Mm, that's, a good, that's a great question. And I don't know if I have a concrete answer, but I think like from my personal point of view, I just got tired of following someone and losing. And I was like, this shit just is not working. And that like led me back to the drawing board and I was like, right, okay, let's reverse engine. Like there's so much information. Like every piece of information that someone needs to form their own setup, pattern, whatever they want to call it, is out there. Like all you need to do is put in a few like Twitter searches, for example, find 10, 20, 30, 50 charts and just reverse engineer and just routinely see, okay, this works. This is where... I should be entering, whatever, this might be, I should be exiting. And then all of a sudden you're like, actually, I don't need anyone. And I think that's like, going back to like, are you? Like, I, like Nate is part of my morning routine in that I'll be there for the broadcast. But I listen, I take on what he says on the broadcast. And then from that point on, I write my own plan out. And sometimes they're different. They're usually like, we have a, like a similar thesis. But we might have different levels, for example, but that's just really important to me because at the end of the day, I'm, you know, accountable for that. So I think, I think eventually people just, you just, and like, let's just take like, I don't know if it's good to mention it, but like, let's just say you're in a Discord room like, like Atlas, for example, which, you know, they are making, you know, a lot of money and I'm sure there are people following them that are making a lot of money. There's also going to be losing tons of money and then all of a sudden they disappear. They're not accountable for any of those actions that people have taken. Then what are you going to do? You can't rely on them to trade anymore. And it could be the same, like if Nate suddenly, it's unlikely, but like anyone, like if Nate suddenly said, I'm, I use, it's over. Then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, but actually it wouldn't affect me that much. It would change my routine. But actually every morning I trade my own setups. I have my own watch list. I write my own plans. And I think it just, that type of person will always sort of probably emerge from the ashes when you just get tired of beating up and copying people, probably get pissed. <laughs> you just get probably get pissed off. Getting pissed off was a massive driver for me. I just got, t- I got tired of being really crap at trading, to be honest. And that was just such like a driver for me to like be like, okay, I'm going to put in that extra work. And I don't know, maybe it's the same for other people. I don't know, but that was sort of how I did it. And I'm sure that's how lots of people feel. It just sounds like you're just speaking about really taking agency over your trading and just taking agency over your life in general. If you guys are enjoying this conversation, perhaps you'd consider tweeting out about it. 
please be sure to follow Sam on Twitter. His handle is Trade Turbo. And also check Sam out on Investors Underground. Consider his weekly meetings. They're just so powerful. I've been very fortunate to do once a month with Sam. We do some live coaching in the Investors Underground room. My name is Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street Coach. I have a provocative newsletter called Curtin Call that I have some deep questions every week. You can sign up for it on my Twitter handle. And I also do live coaching on YouTube, on YouTube channel, Wall Street Coach. I also have a Discord room called Trader Hero Journey. Sam is part of that Discord room where we basically talk emotional intelligence for traders. What do you think is one of the hardest challenges, Sam, that sophisticated traders have during these kind of odd market times. Like it's been kind of a wonky past year, a little bit of a sideways market. What do you see as the biggest struggle those who have been trading for a while run into when the market kind of acts in this strange way it has been acting? There's probably a few things, but something that always stands out to me and particularly for me, personally as well is that like a lot of in life like if we want to solve a problem it usually requires action or you know we actually have to do something about it to solve that problem and like the quite the bizarre thing about trading is in on a day-to-day basis is that actually sometimes you should do less like inaction is the is actually how you solve that problem and i think for a lot of people it's just weird to be honest we're you know we are as an element, there's also there's an element of degeneracy in a lot of us. And every morning we want that sense of accomplishment and we want to feel like we achieved something that day. So we perhaps force trades that we otherwise shouldn't be taking. You know, um, I love what you just said. I, it, it frustrates me that you guys call yourselves degenerates because the words that just followed that is you ultimately are informed by wanting to be productive. Like, I know that it costs you to sometimes trade when you shouldn't, but it isn't because you're degenerates. I'm just standing up for all of your traders right now, Sam. (laughs) It's because you guys are coming from this hard work ethic. I think trading, excuse my French, is such a mind fuck because you really can sometimes you know, screw yourself over because you're overworking. And that work ethic, I think, is something to be proud of, but it can sabotage you as a trader. But you guys call it degeneracy. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's just work ethic, people. <laughs> I think that's the, that's, like the, that's the nice way of putting it, I think. I just think there is, like, an element of a, like, and, look, and we've had lots of conversations about this before, like how you need to achieve something everyone has a need and they feel like a need to achieve something from their day, which is fine. Like, I think that's a good thing. But sometimes like that may lead us to, okay, I, you know, we talk about like finding that fulfillment from the markets. Now that's how you get buried in the markets. Like that's the challenge to actually, okay, nothing on today. I'm going to find my sense of accomplishment or whatever somewhere else. Or, you know, ideally turn up without having that sense of accomplishment in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I think understanding the traders, understanding their needs is so important so that you don't try to get your needs met in the market. And that's why I'm mm-hmm. such an advocate for them to 
identify their needs because getting your needs met in the market is just going to be so costly. Does anybody have any questions? I haven't seen you uh, raise your hands. Ask Sam any questions, but please do, gentlemen. I think we have a couple of ladies in here too, but it's mostly men. But I just think it's always great to have your questions for Sam. Then he can speak directly to whatever challenge you're up against. What do you feel, Sam, is your greatest strength as a trader? And what are the places where you would like to see improvement? <laughs> I think, so I think about this long and hard. And like, I think there's a few strengths that I've got. And my self-awareness, I think, is good. Like, I am an emotional wreck, like, a lot of the time whilst in a trade. But I know that, like, that's... I haven't read the book yet, and you're going to tell me off, but I think of that as, like, my gremlin telling me... Like, <laughs> we're always trained, like... We're trained, like, work. We, <laughs> we see, like, a green candle. Like, oh, my God, it's going to the moon. We see a red candle. Oh, my God, it's going to zero. Like, it's those extremes in that sort of fluctuation of emotion. And... You know, like if you ask any of my friends, like sometimes during a trade, I'll be like, "Ah, oh, this thing is not going to work, blah, blah. And all of a sudden this works and I'm like, yeah, and you're all on. Like, you know, and I think like my awareness in that situation to not actually, to lead to inaction is a real positive. Because if I was to follow my emotional state, I would just be getting absolutely you know, chopped up as a trader. And I'm just really good at, this is my plan. I'm going to stick to it. No matter how I feel from... A to B, unless I see an exit signal, I'm not going to exit, despite how I think or how I feel. And I think that's probably one of my strengths. And that leads into as well, like other self, like being self aware. Like I know I'm not, like I'm not like this, a, a trader that can go, oh, I think Tesla's going to go up 10 points tomorrow. Like, no, I'm just not that type of guy. I don't have a clue. I suck at, like, I suck at trading. That's probably a good thing. But I know I suck at it, so I just wait for my, I just wait for a system play, and then I play it, and that's about it. I keep it as simple as possible, and if there's nothing there, I just don't, play, I don't play it, and I, I don't get angry or upset if something fades without me or goes to the moon without me, because if it didn't set up, it didn't set up, and I, I don't really care anymore. We have the Godfather in the room with us, which you introduced that, Sam, so I'm very glad you're here. Please let me know if you want to be part of conversation, and I will unmute your mic. Oh, Stan's um, here, is he? Nice. <laughs> yes, he I is. recognize, I do, I'm looking at that, I recognize a lot of people here. There's a lot of good friends, Valkyrie, Dave, Daniel, Sean, Buffy, Jeff, yeah, Andres, yeah, recognize so many people. Damien. Please hold let me know, all of you, if you guys want to come forward to speak. It's always much more enjoyable when we have a variety of voices. So don't be shy. Please just raise your hands. I'll unmute your mic. You know, I'm just kind of curious, Sam, just let's talk about your semi-pro rugby experience. How we've talked about, like, do those who come from sports or pro sports have an edge as a trader? And if they do... I'm just curious, what are the qualities that you see in sports that have served you as a trader? So, yeah, there, there, there are definitely parallels between sport and trading. And I think the biggest, the biggest thing is performance. Like we think about, so from like a rugby point of view, you think about performance as Saturday. So play games on Saturday. So you think about it Saturday afternoon. 
and that's the time I've got to be really up for it and I've got to perform really well. But actually, that's complete nonsense. Like, the time where I've got to be really up for it is when no one's watching me on a Monday morning and I've got to go to the gym. Because turning up on a Saturday afternoon with, you know, hundreds of people cheering you on, you've got your whole team there, you're up against someone, that's the, that's the easy bit. It's like, what are you going to do on a Monday morning? And I think, like, training is exactly the same. Is the, not really, it's not about turning up at 9.30 and thinking that you're going to, you know, make loads of money or whatever it is. Like, so I'm like that's, the, that's the easy bit. It's, okay, what am I doing before? How am I doing my prep? How am I doing my analysis? How am I doing my reviews? It's what are you doing when absolutely no one's watching you and no one except you gives a shit about yourself? And I think that's where there are just so many parallels. It's the work that we do in the dark that really helps. And like that's why like a lot of people are like, oh, my God, it's like suddenly an overnight success story. And I remember like interviews about, like, it, it, I don't know how well that resonates, but like Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best soccer players, footballers, and he used to like everyone used to be like oh my god he's so skillful he can do all of this and then but he would just practice more than anyone else and you're like well hang on that success is leaving uh, a, a lot of clues but ultimately like with trading I think you just gotta be really resilient like embrace failure really hard because it sucks and like some people it might be some people might like reach their you know they might be possible within six months within a year some people it might be two, three years plus or whatever. And you've somehow got to make sure that you survive that long. And like sports, what's similar at that point of view? You're not going to be good at sport on day one. Just the advantage of sport over trading is that a lot of us start at age five. And we don't necessarily, or whatever, we start at a young age. And we don't realize that it's the consistency of what we've been doing for 10 years that has made us good in college. And we haven't just suddenly turned up to college and been good at you know, basketball or, or whatever. I might have gone off on a tangent there, but yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's great. I mean, what I'm really hearing is just the comfort with failure, the comfort even, I presume, with pain, you know, to not, the fact that there's pain, the fact that you may not be comfortable is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. And I always think like when I see like tweets like, what advice would you give your 16-year-old self or what advice would you give your son or daughter or whatever? And, like, my advice would be fail more. Like, go out there and fail 100%. And that's what I wish I'd probably done perhaps at a, a younger age. Like, I, I played it. If I look back and I probably played it quite self, quite safe, sorry. Like, I was always, you know, pretty good at everything and perhaps for a, a few years of my life didn't get out of that comfort zone and... You know, it just means that I'm sort of trying to make up for it now. Do you feel that there are certain qualities, you know, you've been at training now four years. What do you think, if you're projecting and you spoke a couple of times about this, you know, your future self, what would your future self have to say about your training, let's say 10 years from now? What do you think you see folding for you as a trader down the road <laughs> that's a good question well i think oh god 10 years i think they'd just be grateful that i just keep going day to day and just continue to strive to get better and 
and better. And I think, you know, myself in 10 years, I don't know what, how my training will look, to be honest, but I think they'll be really grateful for today and what I'm doing today. But that's what I like to think anyway, that they'll just be pleased that, you know, I've, I've put in the work now and then hopefully by then it's just paying off in, you know, and hopefully by then I'm, I'd like to think that in 10 years I'd be a lot more selective and perhaps then you go from sort of, if you don't need an income, you're just thinking about those A-plus opportunities and just thinking about sort of, I suppose, furthering that, that wealth. But that's a great how, how do you balance that, Sam, when one is still needing to create revenue from their trading and be unattached? How, how do you ride that on a day-to-day basis as a trader yourself? But the answer is... There's a, like a, a cheat to it, I think. And like everyone talks about going from I want to quit my job and I want to become a, a full time trader. And I almost think like you're going from you're going from quite an extreme to another extreme. And there's actually like a nice halfway house of actually a logical step would be okay, I'm going to reduce my hours or I'm going to speak to my boss or I'm going to find a way that I can do my job or a job and trade full time. And then there's like a logical step. And I think that's how, I think that's just the way to do it, is to try and have other income streams. Like I have, you call it real estate. So I have real estate, so I rent out, I've got a house that I rent out to an absolutely amazing family. That brings in an income stream. I've got a job, I work for a trading sim, you know, as well. And like, again, like I'm just, I have zero pressure to to make money. And I think that's just, I think you have to, because it, like, it's talking, it's like, it goes back to that question about meeting needs. And if you, and a basic need might be, I need to make money today, otherwise I can't pay my bill. Well, how likely are you to trade well with that pressure? Like it's virtually, like that's virtually impossible. I don't think anyone would trade well in in that situation. So it's a case of actually just, you know, change the picture. I think yeah. that's a it's just a great way of creating longevity. And like for me, it's always going to be about how can I continue to expand those income streams. Like I want to buy another house that would be my next investment piece. another one it would be my next investment piece and i'll just okay then a, a fourth then a fifth and i'll just keep going that way and just keep diversifying so that actually there isn't too much pressure on my trading and actually then because i just know that's when i trade when i personally trade best like when i can just turn up and think ah today sucks and i'll hang around and if nothing if nothing sets up i don't trade and simple as that when you have you have these rules you're so loyal to. You're very disciplined with Yeah, I'm good rules. with rules. You, you are good with rules. I, I've heard you speak to that at length. If somebody isn't good with rules, isn't good with that checkbox list, what is the first place you would suggest they tweak? You just have to find solution, like a solution. <laughs> I, it's really hard for me to understand people that don't you know, adhere to rules because if I have rules, I just stick to them. And the, the beauty about sticking to rules is that if you stick to rules 90 plus percent of the time, you know the one or two percent of the time where actually you can break it. But if you're breaking it recklessly, then you're just it's just complete suicide. So I think you just have to find mechanisms that somehow will help you stick to those rules, whatever, like a max loss, for example. And then making sure that you can't disable it with your broker or 
if you continuously add to positions, okay, you just have to like go through that pain and being like, right, I can't keep doing this anymore. And I think it's just somehow you have to find a way. It's one of those things that I just find quite difficult to understand because, yeah, I'm, I don't know. It makes me sound like I don't know. Like I'm not a rule breaker at all in life, which I also don't think. I don't think. I think you need to be a rule breaker. I guess you just have to go through so much pain, and that's like where it happened for me. I remember like being, seeing like being in unrealized positions, just down so much, and I just got so like angry and upset at myself. I was just like. I just can't do this anymore. Like keep making steps forward, grinding for a month, only to see it be erased by myself breaking rules. And I think once you've been through that much pain, it's like, damn, I just, I can't, yeah, it got to a point where I can't take it anymore. And I was like, right, I'm going to, I'm going to stick to my rules because I know my rules work. Like when I stick to my rules, I'm trading well, I'm profitable, I'm having, record months, record days. As soon as I break a rule, it's usually the exact opposite. And I think like, that, that pain is a massive driver. But people just need to, like, it is one of those strange things that people go, I keep adding to a loser. But it's like, you've got to realize that you're wrong and you're then becoming more wrong. What makes you think you're going to be right? And there was a real harsh moment in The Best Loser Wins, which is a book by... Uh, Tom Hugard, he talks about how you, if you think like they talk about trading having like a 10% success rate with an, like obviously a 90% failure rate and then just think about like what okay what are the 90% doing and then of what you think the 90% doing what are you doing and then stop doing that and then do what the 10% do and actually then you put yourself in a good position because 90% of people are holding on to their losses their losers they're adding, they don't have any risk management, they don't know what their entry signal is, what their exit signal is, they couldn't name their setup, etc. And then it's like, okay, I don't want to be that person. Okay, what do I have to do? You know, it's so fascinating that you're speaking to this concept of just being somebody who's true to your rules. I also feel that sense of, you know, we both agree that community is paramount importance to a trader, but I also feel that you sometimes are more inclined to be true to your word when somebody has clarity that you have said that, like, I'm going to do this and I need you to help me stay accountable. Mm -hmm. Do you find that helps you or do you just, you know, there are obligers. I don't know if you're familiar with Gretchen Rubin's, tendencies but she talks about there are obligers who if they give their word to somebody else and then they will absolutely come through i'm an obliger so if i tell somebody i'm gonna be there two o'clock and i'm gonna be (laughs) so sometimes there are people who just can you know keep their word to themselves some people it's better if there's an accountability partner what Do you ever need to have accountability partners? Do you find that in your communities, the community you created in Investors Underground? Or are there other techniques that you use to keep, you know, true to your word? (laughs) That's a good question. Ultimately, I guess for everyone, it's finding out. But yeah, absolutely. Like there are, like I have my pod and my close friends and like I will write my review and send it to them 
every single day and we all do that like we don't go to bed until you know we've done that and like that will hold you accountable because you have to share whatever you've done that day you have to share you don't want to be set you know sharing something that is completely random is just waste of time stupid etc so from that point of view like yeah the fact that i have to share whatever i do like that's just like an unwritten commitment that we've that we've made certainly spurs me on but i think you know I, ultimately in this job like in this job there's like an element of like all of those things that you just spoke about like at the same time though like we are paying our own bills etc like you, you we are really only accountable to ourselves and then it's just like it goes back to that thing how tired are you going to be if you keep making the same mistakes like you just be true to yourself because you've if you come up with those rules you've come up with rules for a reason so if you've taken the time to do that sticking to them seems like the logical thing to do right and um, and if it helps to do any of those then yeah, i think absolutely but yeah i think like finding a pod find someone a level above find someone a level below find a few people at the same level and yeah just chat share i think that's just a, such a good good space to grow in Again, just please feel free to raise your hand if you have a question for Sam. It's good to have you here, Shane. And I would love to just have any questions come in, especially from you, Godfather, if you want to be part of this conversation. We're probably going to wrap it up in a few minutes. So, And if you don't want to come live on this channel, you guys can put it out there on Twitter and I'll read your question. You can send me a DM. I just put out the link to Gretchen Rubin's assessment so you guys can all find out what your tendency is. There's upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. One of the things I see a lot is that oftentimes traders are questioners. They like to really understand things no matter what somebody tells them tells them you know they will question it and then there's rebels too who just no matter what they're told to do they're going to do the opposite so <laughs> just your own temperament sam do you feel you've seen a change in your trading style when you started four years ago not so much of course you've gotten better but i'm just curious like do you see a change just in your personality and or how you handle the good the bad and the ugly greatly different from when you started yeah yeah. i think that it's funny because like when i like there were times when you know I chat to my girlfriend about it and we always say like what if this project had failed and there were times where perhaps it wasn't going well i was like this project this, this train's going shit i want to quit and then she'd always be like do you know what the worst nothing bad has come from this because of how much you've developed as a person and like the there's nothing like trading to help you understand yourself. Like it really shines a light on perhaps, the, you know, some of our negative characteristics. And you know, like I'm, you know, I'm six four and pretty heavy. You know, three hundred pounds, and like I'm pretty used to getting my. Like I'm the, the eldest son of three. I'm pretty used to getting my own way of life, and. You know, all of a sudden, like, you, you can't muscle in and barge in trading. Like, you do that, you're just going to get absolutely toasted. So it just made me much more aware and much, not necessarily adventurous, because I wouldn't describe myself as adventurous in terms of, like, I won't. But, like, just, I'm much more willing to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. And, like, you know, like, because I'm going to trade for a course, for example. Like, I traveled from 
the UK to uh, Vegas by myself. Maybe like that's probably not like a great great achievement, but it's probably not something that I envisaged myself doing. Yeah, a few years ago, and it, yeah, it, it was amazing. So hell of a flight, hell of a flight. That is definitely yes, and, uh, it's, uncom- <laughs> it's uncomfortable as well. So, I had to yeah. be because you're such a big guy. That you and I didn't know it. Like I didn't know anyone. That, like it was the first time I'd, I hadn't met a trader in real life before wow. last before wow. last year, and then. So and then all of a sudden I'm at Chase Records with you, Nate, Brian Lee's there, like everyone, like loads of people are there, all these guys that you wow. know, massively look up to them like, yeah, I'm just I'm in the deep end here. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. It's a, it was an incredibly, you know, I was incredibly proud actually of that moment. It might seem like a small achievement, but it's it huge achievement. Are you gonna be a trade uh trade preferred class this year? Yes. That's the, that's oh, the plan. Great. I bought my ticket. I've got to still get my flights, and hopefully they haven't gone up and sort my hotel out. I got so much going on actually, and we're in. We're about to move out. We're currently in a in quite a small flat, and girlfriend and I have just bought a house together, and so we're in the process of moving to temporary housing just with the family, and then before our house is ready. So, got so much going on towards the the end of this year, but it's going to be fun. Beautiful, beautiful. Godfather, please unmute your mic. Oh, so stands here. here is he? No. He is. He is. Yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't see your request. I hope you weren't waiting too long. No, not not at all. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes, you're clear. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, I mean, I just wanted to say that you know, I've had the pleasure with you know observing Sam and chatting with him throughout the day. Every now and then, you know, not daily, but definitely a few times a week and uh, to your earlier question Kim you know I can I can attest to his growth as a trader and and more importantly as a person and just a little bit about me you know I've been in in investors underground for quite some time <laughs> a long time yeah a, long a very time. very long time yeah you're yeah. the OG since 2009 I think yeah 2008 2009 I mean the very when I first found it, it wasn't even called Investors Underground. It was called something else. Wow. And then I went through the whole process with, you know, joining up with fake emails just to get most exposure. <laughs> <laughs> but Nate caught on quickly, uh, as, as he usually does. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been, you know, I just there's a couple of things that I wanted to jump on and mention that you guys hit, hit a point on. And, you know, especially Sam around, you know, wanting to trade full-time and and quit everything and then just focus solely on that you know i've been through uh, a similar situation and then and and to me trading it's a very cyclical endeavor and you know we go from wanting to do it full-time to then okay well so that was it (laughs) now what's next (laughs) so even today you know trading is my primary source of income but however i can't just do that if i solely do that i i start to lose myself and it's something because to me it becomes just i mean for one trading is a very lonesome um, especially if you're just trading from your home office or somewhere else and to me i need that interaction and that's really what trading has done for me is answered questions such as who am I and what drives me and what makes me tick, what makes me happy, 
what makes me want to do more. And it's, you know, it definitely isn't what I thought it would be when I first started trading many years ago. You know, I thought this was it, be all and and end all. (laughs) But very quickly, I was able to discover that there's a lot more out there than than just pushing a few buttons on the screen and, and really what brings joy and and happiness to my life and ultimately to me trading is just a vehicle it's just another vehicle that i get on every day i drive for a little bit and then jump off at my stop and continue on stan are you comfortable sharing what the other kind of activities you do partake in with those who are here just have a sense of yeah no absolutely uh so before I switched to a full-time trading in my corporate career, I was in, in IT and with main focus on digital transformations. So we would, team and I, we would go into companies that maybe had some antiquated software. They were operating on things from the 70s and 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And we would essentially use IT as a platform and try to shift the perception of the business into having IT as a cost center through actually generating revenue and and now using it at their forefront of their business strategy. So I come from an engineering standpoint, and and I think that's very common with traders. A lot of, at least in my circle, a lot of traders I know have an engineering background or some sort of, you know, working with their hands and mind simultaneously, et cetera. So that was my corporate career. And then from that point on, I, I to this day, I still have the passion and love for IT, which is what I do on the side. I have a, a consulting leg that, that I consult companies into you know, similar business strategies and how to utilize IT at the forefront of their business and you know, help their bottom line and shift mainly shift the perception of the other business verticals into i mean i'm sure everyone has experienced it you know oh my gosh you go into work and this is not working or right. it sucks and you know this they can never get anything right and right right <laughs> and all totally. this stuff right yeah totally. for sure for sure uh, yeah what, so, what do you feel is one of sam's you know greatest strengths with his weekly collective of traders. I I have so many opinions on that, but just having seen him and watched him over these past four years, I'm just curious what you feel his great strength is with those traders who are, you know, he's having, Mm -hmm. helping them get better every week. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think his greatest strength is the ability to follow his vision that he sets through the day. So if there, you know, if the market opens and he has this plan of X, Y, Z, these couple tickers, et cetera, that's it. He's happy with that. He's content with that. And if they don't provide the opportunity that he's looking to capture, he's not going to veer off the beaten path and then get himself into trouble. You know, to me, that's something that I've noticed, you know, as we chat through the day and, you know, people are like, hey, well, this is what I was looking at and nothing set up. So no trades for me today. Yeah, yeah. a willingness to just be with the truth for the moment. Sam, I know it's 1130 your time, so we're going to bring this to a close. But I'm just curious if there's any last words, 
words of wisdom that you want to share with our audience, unless I hear anybody else have another question, we'll probably bring it down to a close. But what would you say, you know, you want to leave everybody with? <laughs> Firstly, thank you, Stan. Very nice. I would like to think that is one of my strengths, actually. Like, I have a plan. If it sets up, if X happens, then I'll do Y. If X doesn't happen, then I don't do Y. And even if it then unfolds all day or whatever, so be it, it didn't set up. Keep grinding, I think. <laughs> that would be it. Like, I think it's just the same with anything in life. Just, you know, like, as I, you know, like, just taking that golf, it just feels like it's you know, unbearable. But I just, I'm at the exciting point of that curve, that development curve, where I just, I get a little bit better each time, and that's exciting. So yeah, just, you know, you only live once. I do think it's, like, it's sad, like we talk about, like we spoke earlier about how, like, I had that moment where I was, you know, where I realised when I was ill, you only live once. And some people don't get that. And it's good that they don't get that from the point of view that they aren't in a really sad, tough situation like no one wants to be unwell but it's also incredibly it's just sad that they also perhaps don't realize that you know you do only live once and that cliche is true so yeah don't take your parents advice and <laughs> keep going that would be <laughs> that's my advice ignore your parents my, I said I told my well, she probably she won't hear this kids but I told my mom I, I really didn't enjoy work and I was going to quit and my mum's response to me was, well, not everyone gets to enjoy work. And, I'll, and I just come away from that, like, why not me? And I was like, that's yeah. not me. I'm going to enjoy what I do every single day. And yeah. I do. Yeah, it's, a, I think, a bit of a cultural thing, too, right? The world that our parents grew up in is a very different world than the one we're in today. And I have no doubt they mean well, but I think... You know, how extraordinary of you, Sam, to see beyond what is her perspective, like being able to be autonomous and see your own perspective in this world that encourages us almost always to just do what everybody else is doing takes so much courage and takes so much moxie. So just thank you for having that moxie and for inspiring so many traders, encouraging them, pushing them beyond their comfort zone. You really have a huge impact on a lot of traders and your huge contribution to this community. So thank you. Thank you so uh, much. For... Thank you, Kim. And obviously right back at you as well. And like one of like you talked about like that comfort zone of flying across to Vegas where like, you know, that's where I got to meet you. And then since then we've had so many conversations and you know, and sometimes like it's just, and I said this recently on the last MWSS that we did, and when uh, we had someone in the hot seat, like it was great. They were able to talk to you about trading, but not actually talk about the trade. Yeah. And I think sometimes that's just so powerful, like to have that. Okay, let's talk about how you feel in that moment. So yeah, likewise, back at you, and thank you for all you do. Oh, thank you so much. I will be releasing this in a week to 10 days. This is part two of a conversation we've had with Sam Pryor, also known on Twitter as Trades Turbo. Please be sure to follow him here on X, Twitter space, whatever you want to call Twitter. it. 
Twitter. Not <laughs> I'm, not getting su- I'm not getting sucked into Elon's obsession with the letter X. It's Twitter. <laughs> fine, fine. I'm not going to argue that with him. Or with you. We did a 30-minute Zoom conversation, Sam and I, before this Twitter space or X space. Thank you, Sam, for being part of it. Thank you all for being here. The whole thing will drop as one seamless episode on my YouTube channel, The Wall Street Coach. And please check out the live coaching I do on Wednesdays around 7, 8 o'clock Eastern time on that YouTube channel. Sam and I will have our next joint coaching in IU. Let me see if I get the date, the 27th of September. So if you guys haven't checked IU out, you might want to come and check it out to see what we got in store for that day. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Thank you, Kim. Thank Sam, you, everyone. You're awesome. Thank you for staying up very late to be part of this. And thank you for everybody <laughs> participating. I, I've just seen Valkyrie's on. Valkyrie's, Valkyrie's a Brit as well. So we, we're obviously oh, just turning nocturnal. We're not, I'm not the only one staying up late in England. Valkyrie, I hope you got a good night's sleep too for being on this call. You're amazing, Sam. A pleasure to get to interview you finally. And uh, I'll see you in a couple of months in Vegas. See you soon. Thanks, Kim. Bye-bye. Okay. Aloha. Bye now. Aloha. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.